Welcome to another episode of Purpose and Principles Podcast. Today I'm here with my good friend Chad Hymas. Chad is a motivational, inspirational speaker who moves audiences, creating an experience that touches hearts for a lifetime. I know this because I've experienced it myself. He's one of the youngest to ever receive the Council of Peers Award for Excellence um, in speaking. He's also a member of the prestigious National Speaker Hall of Fame. In 2001, at the age of 27, Chad's life changed in an instant when a 2,000-pound bale of hay shattered his neck, leaving him a quadriplegic. And But Chad's dreams weren't paralyzed that day. In fact, he's become an example of what is possible. He's certainly become a, an amazing example to me and a mentor, if you will, because of uh, what he does and how he does it. Chad, thank you for being on the show today. Well, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, and I knew you're crazy busy and, and traveling the world sharing your message, but um, to just kick it right off, what what's your purpose? Why are, What are you trying to do, and why are you out on the road so much sharing these messages? I'm trying to stay sane. I think that's <laughs> I'm trying to stay. <laughs> no, and I, I think, I, I think um, you know, I I don't know that I can define my purpose in a, in a short sentence. I can certainly uh, define my values, and I can define... Um, goals that I want to accomplish, but purpose, it seems to me like that's what's so exciting about life is while you, while you stick to values and you stick to principles, our purpose sometimes changes Mm -hmm. um, or it can be more redefined um, or refined. How's that? And so my purpose is constantly being refined and I'm looking for new and alternative ways, especially with updated technology. Um, You know, the evolution of podcasts, the internet, uh, Facebook Live, and things that are happening too. So, so my purpose, is, I guess, would be to deliver a message of hope, mm-hmm. a, a message of, of enthusiasm, a message of positivity, a message of, of a message of, of clarity on vision, um, and a message of doing doing more when when things when, when things seem to bog you down. Um, that's what, that, that, that's what I feel like I'm, I am credible in sharing because that's what I've had to go through with my circumstances. So those are what my books are surrounded around. And that's what my, mm-hmm. generally my speeches are surrounded around that type of, that type of a theme. And, and so if that's, if that's the, what we call purpose. And, and that's, you know, I think, I think purpose is more refined, defined by passion. And what am I passionate about? And I am passionate about people. Mm-hmm. And so my, my, my purpose then would be, to farm people and to help them discover their their ultimate potential and, and and hidden talents that they never thought they had. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. In fact, um, when you talk about farming people, it to me is a clear purpose, and and I agree with you. I think it does change over time, and there's different periods and moments in our time in our lives where we have different things that we're focused on to try to help or to build or to create. And I find that as we get older and, and we, we and we get beyond the bubble, beyond ourselves, other people become a bigger part of our purpose. And, and I see you doing that all the time as you're out farming people. Yeah, I think that I think as we, we're on this journey that we do run into people that help us, again, give clarity, maybe guide us down a, a, a different path or a path simultaneous along with the path that we're on mm-hmm. that, that helps us broaden that, that, that message that we're trying to share, whether it be with our children, a different approach to our children, whatever that, whatever that purpose or passion might be. And, and does that purpose help to guide your decisions? Does it help you to make better decisions oh, as you yeah. choose your day? Yeah. 
yeah, as long as I stick to that, right, and it's right in front of my face and I know what my purpose is, I think sometimes in today's world, Max, it's so easy to get uh, get sidetracked. Yeah. You now we're focused on something and then the phone rings or or something happens and, and you've got to focus on something else and, and, and or your attention span is, is only so long because so I think sometimes in order for us to discover our purpose, it it requires us to I know my wife, she went to a, a place of seclusion in her car to try and redefine her purpose. She just went and sat at a at a sanctuary, a church parking lot, mm-hmm. the temple parking lot and, and tried to ask for help to define her purpose and and for me, that might be a hotel room if I'm writing a book, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Um, just journalize some thoughts and maybe meditate a little bit. I love the monks in Thailand. You talk about purpose. They, um, they just, they all have different purposes. They have the same values and they're doing the same set of service um, oriented tasks. But the reason for doing it, every one of them is different. Yeah. That tells you right there that their purpose is different, right? Yeah. So I love that. Yeah, I do too. And I, I love when people can actually do something that's meaningful or like you said, something that people are very passionate about um, and, and, and contributes. It does something for them in the world. You know, for me, uh, purpose is really about how to help others bring out the best in themselves as well. And I think that's what you're talking about when you farm. And of course, you live on an elk farm. Yeah, that's, uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't hurt things. <laughs> doesn't hurt things at all. <laughs> that, that helps keep things in a perspective when you have animals on the farm. But then again, that, that purpose has changed a little bit. And now I'm farming, you know, again, farming people. And, and they don't have to actually be on a farm to farm. Mm-hmm. And so that, that changed, you know, that, that path has changed a little bit. So yeah. anyway. Um, what in, what inspires you now, Chad, as, you, as you're out on the road and you meet with people? What inspires you? Um, I, I think that I'm inspired when I see other people accomplishing their goals. I'm mm-hmm. inspired by my kids a lot right now. I have kids that um, are a little bit older in life and to see their dreams and their aspirations um, inspires me to keep moving along. I am inspired when I see, you know, other people's great examples. You never know who you're going to influence or inspire. So I, I, I remember this is a great message. I, I remember the first time that I, went to a restaurant with Shondell after the accident and I was not wanting to go there. Just, just, I wasn't enthused. I wasn't passionate. I didn't have any purpose. I, I, um, I'm sure that I did. I just didn't see it. And, and so I didn't want to go to the restaurant and, and Shondell got me to go to Red Lobster with her. And we went to Red Lobster. And while we were there, I noticed that this had to be foreseen by God. I mean, it was unbelievable what happened, but mm. way across, way across the, the, serving room was another couple and the guy was in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and he was laughing with his whoever it was his date his wife i don't know his girlfriend whoever it was they were having a good time mm-hmm. and i was begrudgingly being there and that inspired me to put a smile on my face real quick and, and Chandel didn't tell me to look over at the phone i just noticed it mm-hmm. there's a guy in a chair and they were laughing mm-hmm. and cracking jokes and smiling and mm-hmm. throwing food at each other just you know just kind of and it was a couple. It was an older couple. And he was in a chair. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was first injured, going out in public. And so when you ask that question, I, I think that it behooves all of us to remember that you don't have to be a national figure, a celebrity, a news anchor, or a pastor that's teaching a Sunday lesson um, or a Sunday school lesson to influence people. That The people are watching you. 
and your aurora and your countenance and the way by which you handle adversity will change people's lives. Man, and my, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it as you talk because I, I've heard your story many, many times and, and I'm feeling your passion again today and the spirit of, of what you're saying. I hope that translates well um, for our listeners who know that you, you've you been dealt some really hard things from the accident, and yet you rise above them all, every single day, all the time, and it's truly inspiring to me. Well, thanks, but I want to, you know, I still have bad days, and I think that that's important to recognize that, I, you know, I get asked all the time, hey, Chad, when did you finally get to this level? When did you finally get to this? When did it finally go away? And mm-hmm. it never goes away, because it's still reminisce, and I think that's what keeps it real that's what keeps me real that's what keeps everybody real is there's nobody that really conquers depression we deal with it and mm-hmm. how do we deal with that well mm-hmm. you know how do i deal with with, with my with my negative thoughts people is a great drug for me being mm-hmm. around people and being being with people and trying to help people i whenever my mind's on myself and and the things that i've lost what i can't do people has been a good remedy for me to, to turn to so i i um I, I hope that that makes it real for our listeners and for your your fan base and your your people that are loyal to that are listening now that that it um, it's important that we remember that it's a constant and not a constant battle but a constant strive to keep pushing forward. Well, I I you know it's your vulnerability I think that helps because it is there's a level of credibility when you hear someone be very very human and I think what you're describing is hey this life can be really challenging and you and I have had opportunities where we've actually been, uh, you know, we've, we've hung out and, and talked about really hard issues and discussed these things. And I was just going to bring that up, you know, that what do you do when it's hard, when it, when, when things get discouraging and you just mentioned, you know, finding, finding a way to be able to be of service to other people is key to your ability to be able to get out of a negative place. Absolutely. I mean, as I mentioned, people are my drug of choice. I've got to be out with people. I am. I would probably be very, very depressed if I was um, in my room or even in my office all the time. I, mm-hmm. I am, um, especially when I'm alone. You know, when I'm with um, Leslie, is in my office all the time with me. And so, it's somebody just being being able to talk and, and bounce ideas off of her and 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 get get counsel. And I, I can't tell you how many times it's. That, that in and of itself keeps me moving or seeing things from a different perspective. You know, so it, again, it doesn't have to be an audience of several people, but but, but maybe just you know just just one um, makes me want to spend more um, quality time with one of my children mm-hmm. or two of my children. Right? Just it doesn't the numbers aren't 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 the way to measure metrics is a bad way to measure um, influence and passion and purpose. Um, I think a better way to measure it is how are you handling your adversity. And what are you doing to assist others through that adversity that you've been dealt? Uh, you, I mean, you're, you're just taking me to my, you know, every question actually just leads to the next. And well, that's because they're listed right in front of me. I'm just joking. They're not, we're good. We're good. I'm just, <laughs> it's we're, awesome. We're just, I mean, I don't, I don't have them. We're good. I'm just being, I'm just being real, man. I'm just being real, but no, I don't have the questions in front of me, but I thought that would be a good, I thought that would be funny. So we're good. It's, Perfect, actually. It is. I mean, that's what I love about this conversation, Chad, is that we do keep it real. We're, there's nothing. 
I mean, sure, we want to create value. We want people to be able to feel like when they listen to a show that they've invested good time in, that they'll gain something from it. But that comes from this vulnerability, this level of you being very truthful about what's going on for you. And and really, I know there's people out there that are listening to this saying, I've had challenges and, and, and they might be asking, why me? Why me? What would you say to these folks who are saying, why me? Why me? I've never gotten any resolve asking myself that same question. And I mm. can't tell you how many times I've done it. Um, a better way to ask the question is how, what, when, and where. Mm-hmm. So instead of starting your question with why, and by the way, I call those people whiners. Um, mm-hmm. I, I spell it W-H-Y hyphen N-E-R-S. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're always asking why, why does this have to happen? And, and it doesn't mean that it doesn't have values. I, I don't want to, I want to be very, very careful with that. But, but it does mean that if you focus on that, you're never or very seldom are you going to find resolve to your problem or find a way to give your challenge of why you're asking why a purpose, mm-hmm. a better way to ask the question is what can I do with this cancer? How can I handle this divorce better? What can I do to get over this addiction? Um, how can I be better because of the addiction? What can I do to take this circumstance of being in, in prison and make it beneficial to other people? Um, how can I take the use or non-use of my legs and still be a good coach to my kids in athleticism? Um, you know, just I get better answers when I ask, you know, what, how, and, and when can I start? Of course, we all know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. The longer you wait, the less likely you are to start at all. So mm-hmm. the answer is you start now, you know. Well, but, um, those thoughts. Well, I mean, and those thoughts align perfectly with one of, I think, one of your most recent Facebook posts and, you know, in the past couple of months, it's just been shared and reshared all over the place, um, really articulates what you just shared, right? Is that, hey, there's going to be hard times. There's there's hard moments for all of us. That's that's part of our lives. Um, and and yet it's about getting back up every time. Oh, I think, I, and that's just it, I am. Um... I, what's my, what's Michael Jordan's famous quote about, about all the shots that he took and mm-hmm. you, you know, you miss one hundred you know, percent of the shots that you don't take. I, I, I know that the phrase has been used over and over again, but for me in my life, it's about how many times do I get up when I do fall down or when I do fall out of the chair mm-hmm. or when I, you know, when I do, uh, have, have a challenging circumstance where, where it might even be embarrassing. It might be in front of a bunch of people where, where I have no control. And so I, I try and keep my focus on those things that I do have control over, not on those things that I don't. Yeah, really, really powerful. And you're traveling everywhere, and essentially, um, you rely on complete strangers wherever you go. And yet, you're traveling all over the world. Frankly, traveling—I mean, much farther and 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 more frequently than myself. And and we've traveled on some of these planes together. Um, yet, yet you're not afraid. You you just go. You just know that everything's going to be okay. How how do you do that? patience i mean i i don't always you're you're right about everything you said i do travel alone and i don't know what's going to happen next i don't know who's going to help me into the hotel tonight and that's not pre-arranged or lined up um but i will find somebody mm-hmm. and sometimes that uh, that requires me to, to I'm, I'm always sizing people up i mean it's not that i'm that i'm extremely heavy or, or that i am you know i'm within my my, my weight boundaries but mm-hmm. but that said i want to make sure that i ask a gentleman that can handle me to help me get from point A to point B uh, that's out of the Uber vehicle or at the airport, get into the Uber vehicle. Um, I'm not waiting for a wheelchair van to come pick me up. I'll just, I will find somebody. And you know what? Cool. is 99.9% of the time people are so awesome. You know, Hey, yeah, yeah. man, we got you covered. Whatever you need, we'll help you. Well, yeah, we're happy to help you. 
Yeah. You know, and I, and I don't, I'm not trying to take advantage of that. It's just, I depend on that, that unplanned, unrehearsed, awkward. It is awkward because most of the time those people haven't looked up the paralyzed person before. Mm-hmm. I'm counting on them. And, and no, I'm not, I'm not afraid. Um, have I gotten rejected before? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had, I've had some, some, some negative comments, not a lot, but sometimes you tend to focus on the little negative that you've heard. And so it just, if nothing else, it pushes me to be more re, you know, be more reaffirmed that there are good people out there that, that do want to help and to not focus when somebody says, you know, no, I'm not interested or no, I do understand when people can't help. You mm-hmm. know, I understand that or maybe I've missed, you know, you, you don't see sometimes that people might've had a back injury mm-hmm. or they might've had a back strain. And so I just, I, I'm always cautious about asking people about that as well, but because I just don't want other people to get hurt as they help me move from point A to point B. But, but no, I, you're, you're right. I do, I do find people and I'm asking for people you know, it, and, it, and it, that's probably at least 10 to 15 times a day because yeah. I'm moving 10 to 15 times a day. I'm moving from one seat to another seat, from an airplane seat to a wheelchair, then the wheelchair to the car, then the car back to the wheelchair. So I get to the room wheelchair to the bed to stretch out back to the wheelchair to go have dinner with the client, you know, just back to the car again. So you count all those times. That's, that's 10 to 20 times a day. I'm moving my butt from the seat to some other seat. Mm-hmm. It, 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 for me, well, it demonstrates the kindness of, of people. And that when we feel, you know, when I feel discouraged, um, like you, I need to get out of myself and think about other people and oftentimes even just making eye contact with other people in the airport or having a friendly conversation with someone to just reengage and to and to realize that there are really good things that are happening you you had a surprise um once from someone who helped you uh get into one of your um to get into a car uh, an NBA player could you tell us a little bit about your story because i know you meet with a lot of famous people and you happen to have a yeah. really cool experience well, I just I was speaking for the Dallas Mavericks, um, Mark Cuban's team, and 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 uh, after we were done, um, it was game night, and so I spoke before the game, and they had a team dinner. I was there for the whole day, and so the team usually gets there a few hours before, and they have a team dinner, but not on a full stomach, and so they have then they have morning shoot around, and this happened to take place at the dinner at morning shoot around, kind of like a, a brunch, and the games that night at seven o'clock, and. So the guys go back and they relax and, and then come back. And, and that's when I gave my talk at 3.30 and the game's at 7. And then they start getting taped up and getting ready for the game after they shoot around. And and um, after I was done talking to the guys, just before game time, um, I was given a ball by the team um, right there in the locker room. And, and Dirk, uh, Dirk Nowinski is one that gave that to me. And we have pictures of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after after that we took a team photo and then something really cool happened you know i i I related to a story that i read in a passage where a lady gets her hair wet and she washes off a guy's feet now i'm I'm not saying that people have to believe in that passage but it's it's rather profound because i believe she's trying to show humility Mm -hmm. i believe she's showing respect i believe she's showing compassion uh, and many many other um feelings of, of, of a mutuality um, there. And so I've never had somebody wash my feet with their hair, but I kind of know what it feels like because 
Dirk took off the shoes he was wearing for the game that night mm-hmm. after being taped, and I took them right off his feet, and he signed them to me. Um, and, and I didn't ask for that. I didn't ask for that at all. I'm not asking for people's shoes. And these suckers are like size. I didn't even I didn't even want them at the game. They weigh 500 pounds each, and they're, <laughs> they're size 19, right? I, I didn't have any room for them, and it wasn't my plan to take his shoes. But he gave them to me, and it made me feel this overwhelming feeling. And then, and then the help that I received. So the game gets played, and they're done by 10 o'clock. They come back in, and Cuban's really good to the team. I mean, you've got all their ice ready to go and all the trainers are icing them up and he's got a nice dinner there for them afterwards. And, you know, game nights go till midnight if they're at home, if, if they're away, they'll, they'll get on a plane real quick, but this is a home game. And those guys got to get back in their vehicles and go back to their home after dinner about midnight or so. And I'm going to get in the Uber SUV to out the front of the arena to go catch the plane that's waiting for me so I can get to the next place I'm going. And, and the trainers are going out with me to get me loaded up. And as the trainers are getting me ready to get loaded up, that's when we hear somebody in the back say, Hey, I got this covered. And it was Dirk and Dirk's seven foot four and he's, you know, tall. And, and this was the year that he retired. So after playing 19 years in the NBA, he decided to hang up his shoes. And this was the beginning of the season. And the trainers were quick to, um, to uh, alter his path, his course, and to not have him help, not because they're mean trainers, but they just, you know, they're trying to protect him from getting mm-hmm. hurt. Mm-hmm. And then Dirk said some things in German and, and English that probably shouldn't use on the podcast. And when a seven foot four giant uses that kind of vocabulary, you just back off. <laughs> and he picked me up, Max, he picked me up and yeah. he put me in that SUV. And I don't have any pictures to prove that to people. Um, but I don't know that I would have taken any anyway, because mm-hmm. it was very, very sacred to me. And, uh, and then, then again, there are no pictures of the lady washing off the guy's feet either. Yeah. You just have to take it for face value. But I will tell you this. I will never, ever forget how that, that man made me feel. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a critic, and he certainly has his. Mm-hmm. And lots of people have critics. But men are judged by their hearts. Mm-hmm. And by your hearts, you shall know them. And he served me with his heart. Mm-hmm. And... I, I am somebody that is a recipient of that, and I am going to be forever grateful, eternally grateful. Uh, I, I, want to be, I, I'm not, I will be forever, ever grateful for that. Yeah. And that's my judgment of him. So. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. You know, we've, we've shared some really special experiences, and you've, you've allowed me to be there on so many occasions when we could be of service to one another, frankly, in my opinion. And I'm really grateful for what you do uh, so regularly and that you would share stories like that that inspire to young people what do you say to them because you travel a lot you're speaking to a lot of young groups you're also speaking to a lot of executives obviously you're speaking to a lot of athletes before they perform what what's your primary message right now that you're trying to help people understand um i have probably several messages that that that, that are you know because my messages are really customized for the needs but i I gave one yesterday on suicide prevention mm-hmm. um, in my local hometown um, um, to a bunch of youth that are about 100 and, 120 youth that are in a lockdown facility. So these people cannot, these young youth cannot be in a general population. They can't go to regular high school. They're mm-hmm. not in, a, in an alternative. They're in a lockdown facility where they cannot, you know, they cannot escape. Um, it's, it's just, it's high security. It's a, it's a prison for youth. And, um, and, and my message to them was, was, was simply, I, I, can, I asked a personal question. I asked them, 
you're talking about messaging. I asked them how big their rooms were, and they started to complain and joke like they're, you know, they're 10 by 12. They're just dinky, and they sleep four, four used to a room. And uh, and and then I compare that to my to my cell, and I had them look at it, and they thought they were. I was talking about my bedroom at home, and I said, no, 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 no. Look, look, look. This is this wheelchair is three feet by three feet, mm-hmm. and this is this is what I this is what I'm in all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even get an hour out to go out and walk around, you know, the park. Mm-hmm. But I don't look at it as a cell. I look at it as an opportunity, and this opportunity has leaped me bounds and allowed me more freedom and i'm wondering if your cells can't do the same for you and give you that same leap for being better in your lives and accomplishing things that your parents those that have turned against you people that do not believe in you to be an eye-opener for them because you'll do things that others thought you never would so that's the message that i'm really trying to hit heavy on because quite frankly depression is is very very big in our society today with everything that's going on around uh both for adults and for for you, if you, you if you don't mind, I'd like to take the freedom right now, Max, to just read a text or a message, an email message I got this morning. Yeah. Um, can I read it? Yeah, of course, of course. Says, uh, I just got this this morning at eight fifty four this morning. Mm-hmm. An email that came through to my office. It says, Chad, hope you're doing well. We've experienced a recent suicide and attempted suicide here in our wonderful community of Spanish Fork, Utah. Uh, both were youth that were very close to our youth. My heart aches for the loved ones that were left behind, their friends and their family. So they, one did commit suicide, the other one's an attempted suicide, and it's affected all Spanish work from what I get from that first paragraph. Mm-hmm. And then it says our youth and our adults are experiencing so many feelings. They have so many questions. And quite frankly, the suicide, the suicidal feelings are not left to youth alone. As a member of our community, we feel their pain and their suffering, and we are left with broken hearts and wanting to help them proactively instead of reactively. And then it goes on to ask me if I would come and share a message with them on the fifth Sunday of, of uh, this month. I think it's the fifth Sunday of this month to, to the entire community at a, a Spanish work high school. And so again, my message is not, I'm not, I'm not an expert in suicide, I'm not, but, but it seems to be a topic that I've been being asked to, to hit um, quite a bit. I also do a lot of um, tapping into unseen potential. I do a lot of that um, mm-hmm. and relate that to the seven habits by Stephen Covey and Alicia power within by Tony Robbins. Um, I'm, and I'm tying in my own book, doing what must be done um, and using those principles that are in those three or four books to, to hit. And then I've got an entourage of, or a library of about 200 stories. I keep that. And then I pick three or four to share in each, mes- in each message. So I'll look at that library and I think, all right, this is what I need for this group this group and this group and you know in about an hour's time you only have time for maybe three stories maybe mm-hmm. two and principles it's just it goes by so fast you know that it just mm-hmm. the, the time is overwhelming uh, it, there's not a time to share everything so um to stay within a 50 minute message or a 75 minute message all you can really share is three three stories mm-hmm. Do so, you, that's what i'm sharing i it, thank you and and for sharing that text as well and I mean, you have my head spinning um, and reflecting, and I wonder how social media has been both a help and a hurt in our society today. Is there anything you've, you feel about that in terms of the way people might be comparing yeah. themselves unfairly in social media? Yeah. Comparison is the worst evil of all, and, and uh, there's, no, there's no better place to find comparison than on social media. 
mm-hmm. um, where people are looking at, you know, um, Photoshop and the ways that people edit photos. We can edit a photo and make ourselves look perfect with black and white and, and different things that you can do um, with different apps on phones. Um, not only that, but bullying, human trafficking. It's amazing. <clears throat> when you go through an airport today, um, any major airport or any, any airport for that matter, you'll hear a message that sounds like this. Hey, uh, if you see anything out of place, and usually it's like a mayor or some city official that says this over the intercom system on a recorded device. If you see anything out of place, please notify your your nearest agent or law enforcement officer. Um, here in the city of Minneapolis, we are proactive in in cracking down on human trafficking. Mm-hmm. And that all starts with a cell phone. It all starts with getting people lured in. They don't go and just swap people like Elizabeth Smart was swapped, right? That's not how it happens mm-hmm. in today's world. They, they lure people in with those images and, and, and fake love and fake, you know, just everything's fake. And so I, while cell phones are marvelous and a great tool for us to communicate with the entire world um, within seconds, what a, you know, what a devastating tool for those that don't filter how they use it. Yeah, it's a big deal. And, boy, we could, we could have a whole conversation just around that, just for around sure. that. So, so is and I think it'd be to teach teach our young adults while they're young. Otherwise, they get hooked. You know, teach these young kids they get cell phones, whatever age they get them. You know, thirteen, fourteen years old. I'm seeing kids carrying cell phones around. And can you imagine you and I going back to high school or middle school with a cell phone in our hands? Can I you know. just imagine that for a second? I know. I, I'm serious. It's it's unbelievable the amount of pressure that that in and of itself. And, and you see it all the time. Those kids will be at basketball games or football games, and what are they doing? I know. They're not watching it. They're taking selfies. They're they're constantly adding to their Instagram or Facebook and counting how many likes and measuring. I mean, you hear people all the time that put things on their social media that say, if, if you don't comment back mm-hmm. or if you don't like my page, it tells me that you're not a true friend. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a second. You've, you've read those messages. Mm-hmm. If you're not commenting on my page, why do I have you as a friend on Facebook? Mm-hmm. So they're measuring their friendship by whether or not somebody likes something that they post. Mm-hmm. Is that absurd or is it just me? No, no, it's absurd. They're measuring, <laughs> it, they're measuring their likes, their friends, by metrics on, yeah. a, on, a, on an app. Yeah. On an app. And if you don't respond to this or if you don't comment, then I'm going to delete you as one of my friends. And I just think that that's, you know... Some of my, my wife isn't even on social media, um, mm-hmm. and I use it for business and things. But I just, again, love social media if we use it for the right way. But when people start taking it to the extreme that way, we've gone too far with what, what its intended purpose is and what, what good it can do. So you're raising some young kids like me. And, uh, in fact, I think our, our younger kids are about the same age, and uh, they've hung out and played together several times. So, so uh, yeah. when, when are you going to let them have a cell phone? Well, Gracie's a sophomore in high school, and she's got a cell phone that's filtered um, with no apps. Um, um, when I say no apps, she's not on Facebook or Instagram and uh, no Snapchat. Um, but she, it does allow her to be able to text her friends, and, she, and we have some rules there. Now, I don't know if we're wrong or right um, on letting her have a cell phone at age 15. Mm-hmm. She's not. She's a sophomore. She's 15 years old. So I don't know if that's wrong or right. I don't know what the right age is. Mm-hmm. You'll find studies everywhere, but, but regardless... Shondell and I feel good about that. Um, and I think it, you know, it, it's, it's different for everybody as far as their, as their maturity goes. But with that, you know, I'm, I, 
I never thought that I would let my daughter have a cell phone until she graduated from high school. And I just, you know, it had, I think it was Shondell that got her one while I was on a road trip somewhere. So, you know, it is what it is. When you're, when you're married, when you're married, you kind of just kind of let things fly. But, uh, no. And then we have the younger boy that's 11 and, uh, it'll be, it'll be a few years before he's ready for a cell phone. It's, it's just, um, uh, we're going to wait for him a little bit. He, we, he's, um, we just got him and he's very, doing very, very good, but I want to, I want to make sure that he's ready for that. And then that'll be a good step for him. And, and he'll know that we'll have that talk and that talk will be around the topic of trust. Mm-hmm. And I trust you with this. I trust you with this piece of equipment, this, this phone. I trust you that you'll be obedient and how you use it. And once you breach my trust, it's very difficult to get back. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you can't get it back. It's just hard yeah. to get it back. And so try to do your best to not breach that trust. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I reflect well, because my kids don't have phones yet, but they're a little bit younger than, than uh, your sophomore. And, uh, but they've made their case, right? And so uh, for better or for worse, what we're trying to do, obviously, is trying to help our kids live by life principles to help them make good decisions. And a lot of times the peer pressure out there today is just, it's so hard and so, so pro- prolific, if you will. And like you said, I mean, we didn't grow up with them when you and I were that age and, and I, I don't know, I, I, we, again, we could do a whole nother podcast on this topic, but I'm grateful that we brought it up here. No, for sure. I think it's a, it's a topic that needs to be addressed uh, and and can be addressed in several different uh, platforms. So let's shift gears for just a moment and come back to, you know, the, the experiences you're having around the world. Is there one story or one experience or maybe even something, an experience you could share with us um, that your good wife has, has done um, to help help you reflect and to become a better person? Um, this last Christmas, Shondell, so Shondell doesn't travel with me because the kids are young and we have the farm, as you guys do, as you're, you have the farm, and so the animals need to be taken care of. And mm-hmm. uh, all too often, because of my circumstance and inability to go out and lift hay or cut hay or, or build fence, that falls on to Shondell and the kids. Um, where they're taking care of the, you know, the, the stock show lambs and, and the, you know, the horses. And, and I don't, I don't do a whole lot with that. And it makes it difficult for Shondell to travel with me, but over the Christmas holiday, um, Shondell surprised me with a, a, a kind of a retreat. Yeah, it was a date. It was a date for sure, but, but it, more of a retreat just to reflect on what's most important in our marriage, because it's, Mm-hmm. Very easily, again, as we talked about earlier, to get distracted on your passion and your purpose. And and if all I do is travel the world, then I share a message with people that help them. And I forsake my wife and my children over that. I, I've gained nothing because my number one priority should be and is my wife and my children. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a an opportunity for Shondell and I to refocus before the new year, um, align our goals again, um, renew our vows. We went to the temple in mm-hmm. San Diego while we were there, um, um, and and, uh, and and just kind of reestablish what what are we doing? What are we what are we working on in our family? And and am I willing to stick with what I said? Uh, something we haven't talked about on this phone call is it's just a simple fact of me being home a little bit more. Mm-hmm. For the older two boys, I was gone the majority of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, these younger two have never even had a father figure. 
if I approach those two younger ones the same that I, way that I approach the older two boys, it could have devastating results. Mm-hmm. So I've been you know, struggling with that a little bit because it requires me to be home a little bit more. And as we discussed, that's where I struggle the most. Mm-hmm. I, there's something rewarding about being on a platform or at a high school that's a lockdown facility and helping people. Mm-hmm. There's something satisfying about that. I've got to find that same satisfaction with my two children. Mm. I, I hope that doesn't sound evil and bad to our listeners, but I, Mm-mm. and it's not that I don't, it's just for me, um, as much as I love Shondell, it's sometimes difficult to have her help me because she's the one I'm in love with. Mm-hmm. I'm not in love with the Uber driver while I'm grateful for that Uber driver. I'm not in love with them. I didn't mm-hmm. marry them. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it's a lot of, here's where I'm going to open myself up to a lot of critique and a lot of feedback. I'm sure and that that's fine. I welcome it, but but don't think that I haven't heard it. I mean, because I know I know what the, I know what the right answer is. But my my difficulty is is you know letting Shondell uh, assist and help um, with everything that ten or twenty other people would be doing that are different individuals. As I you know, as I have needs that um, that, that that need to be met. You know, showering. You know. Mm-hmm getting mm-hmm. things ready, getting ready for the day mm-hmm. that, 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 you know, other people help me with. Mm-hmm. And now it's, now it's, you know, uh, Shondell. Yes. There are alternative answers. Somebody else coming in, having, you know, home health come in, uh, you know, a nurse come in, wh- whatever that's, that Shondell has asked me to not, you know, to, to, to not her love language is service. And she wants to do that. And so it's, um, you know, I, I, I when you ask me the question, I'm going through it right now. Mm-hmm. I am I am trying to create this new environment and this new mindset for me where I can be grateful and happy at home as I have been grateful and happy on stages across the world the last 19 years. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I have to be home all the time. I mean, I, she just asked me to be home half the month. Yeah. And so she's not asking for the world, right? I mean, most people would freak out if their husbands or their wives were gone for half the month. Mm-hmm. Shondell's going to be gone for, you know, 80 to 90% of the month for the last 19 years. Mm-hmm. But now that we've adopted these two younger children that, that really need something, that um, need something special and that only a father can give, mm-hmm. and they want she, she wants them to see what it's like to be able to serve, she thinks that that's, that maybe we talked about passion and purpose. Maybe that's a new pathway for a new purpose mm-hmm. to let these kids be involved in the help and it will shape their their personality, the way they look at the world from a different set of bifocals, different set of glasses, when they see what they can do to help others. And they're able to help their dad. Maybe that might be a good thing. I just I kind of feel like the guinea pig for that, you know, but, but that might be my purpose. Hmm. Kind of ties into where we started today. Boy, it sure does. And... Um... Well, you've touched me deeply and, and the story you just shared and the vulnerability. I mean, you brought up some really, really tender things just now. And I think we would all be remiss to try to come up with the solution for Chad Hymas and his family or for anyone to think that they could consult on what that should be. Um, but the fact that you would bring it up and talk about it is pretty, pretty tender to me. And, um, hmm. You know, my wife, she's she's interesting. She told me once, she goes, you know, the funny thing is, is that when you go out on the stage and share a, a message with people, um, 
you get instant feedback. She goes, when, when I wash the dishes and read the, to the kids and, and, you know, go out and teach a class and I come home, she's just tired, but no one has given her any real appreciation or, you know, a pat on the back or a, a text to say thank you for what she's done. And so there's times when I do believe that my, my effort to go out on the road um, to find that satisfaction from those people is interesting. And is that my dopamine hit, you know, and what you're challenging me yeah. to do is to say, can I find that same reward in the, in the selfless service at home with my family? Sure. No, I think you just, I think you just nailed it. I, uh, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. There is satisfaction about being on a platform and being with people and that instant, that instant applause or standing ovation. Mm-hmm. And at home, and our spouses don't get that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was a reminder to me, you know, just to give those small messages of gratitude, and uh, and to our children to let them know how proud we are of them. To give them value, it'll give them the ammunition they need to fight the depressive thoughts that they see on the internet, Facebook, Instagram, social media that we talked about earlier. That yeah. gives them the ammunition to fight that back with. Well, I, I will share a thought I just had. Yeah, um, please. Real quick. Well, you know, so our youngest son is Ethiopian, um, very, very dark, dark kid, um, beautiful kid. And he came, he came home yesterday um, and he wanted to talk to Shondell and I. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, Dad, I'm not, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be bad. But today on the bus, somebody said that I was burnt. Mm-hmm. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, then he got another friend and they started calling him burnt face. And he used the word burnt. Mm-hmm. And I, I just lit up. Because now I, I'm getting this in his bullying. And then there was two other things that were said about him and his skin. And immediately I'm lit up. And Shondell has a different perspective. And I and, and, and I, I said, Caleb, what did you do? And he just said, I just sat there and I listened. I, I looked right in their eyes and I didn't do anything. And I said, I, I probably would have hit him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but that's not the right answer. And and Caleb says, no, no doubt. I'm not going to hit him. But I, I'm just telling you that that... that that that's, that's what happened today on the bus, Dad. And so immediately, Shondell found out who the t- kids were, and she took Caleb last night over to their home, full, mm-hmm. to the parents to find out what the real story was. And it did come out that Caleb, he wasn't lying, and he, he doesn't lie. He's telling us the truth. Mm-hmm. And, and then there were other kids that were ch- kind of cheering him on, and, and that will put a halt to immediately. But I, looked at, I look at this. This kid's 11 years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, 11 people are calling him burnt face mm-hmm. and and i just shondell t- took him over took him over to their home and 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 she's at the school today to talk to kids that's where shondell's at today she's at the school there's a school uh what do they call it where they they, they take them on buses and go to the symphony so some sort of a field trip there's a field trip but before the field trip they're going to have a class meeting Mm-hmm. And they're going to sit down. They're going to nip it immediately because there's no place for that mm-hmm. at all. And um, and it's not that maybe Caleb's totally innocent, but but from what we gather, he did not instigate any of that. It's unlike his personality, and it's totally like him to 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 not want to share that. But but if he feels like someone's going to say something or something could get out of hand, he will say something to Shondell and I. Mm-hmm. And so. He doesn't want to cause a scene at school, but he does want to make friends. And and so I, I think this will be a good way to, to hit that. But that's what our kids are going through today in school. Yeah, it's um, 
boy, I had no idea where where this would go today, but where we are is wow, I'm really glad we're here. And um it shows up in a lot of different ways, you know. For me, um boy, I'm, I'm I'm not as used to being as vulnerable as you you are, I think, Chad, and I think you're moving me today in just such a different way. And um gosh, my my own son, you know, has dyslexia. And so a lot of people look at him as dumb or inadequate or slow. And the truth is he's actually really, really a bright kid. But when people mock him or tease him, he's also 11 years old, right? And in fact, your son and mine have, have played together and, and hung out together. Right. <laughs> There's a couple right. times when we almost didn't find him out on the ranch, but luckily that's a different story. But when I come back to this, you know, I mean, people don't, sometimes people just don't understand something that they don't, that they've never experienced or that they're not a part of, or that they've never um, encountered. And so if I see someone with dark skin, or if I see someone who is in a wheelchair, or if I see someone who um, is a slow learner in, in reading, but or they do something different, all these different experiences that we might not be able to relate to, that we need to learn how to understand and to embrace that we don't all have to be the same, and that's great. No, I think you're right. I think that it's, we can teach them young. I'm not. I'm not looking to punish these kids, but you yeah. teach them young, then they'll start sticking up for it. And they'll be the best friends. Right? That's right. Do it the right way. That's right. Have a class meeting, and we can we can teach them. This is this is inappropriate, but not only that, you know, this kid can't control what 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 color his skin is, and 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 even if he could, he wouldn't change it. No, of course he not. He comes from a very very special place. Of course. And so that's the message. You know, you you don't need to change to be anybody different, but. You know, how would you like it? If this, and so we, we kind of, we got to be careful how we convey this message. So that's what Shondell's working on today with the administration. And then let's get the whole school involved. And, and, and let's, let's make it a very welcoming school. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, look at where they're learning this from. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to be very careful how I say it. They're learning it from the adults. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they're learning it from our, 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 some of our leaders on name calling and what people are doing in the, bashing that people are saying that's that's what they're watching they're watching it from our even in our community you know but but, but you look even even some of our elected officials that's that doesn't help my circumstance right right it doesn't help and again i'm not here to talk about politics and mm-hmm. the donkey and the elephant i don't know much about that stuff i'm just simply saying that there's no place in this world to 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 put down anybody you can you can disagree with policies and politics and that, that's fine. Mm-hmm. There's an appropriate way to, but, but to but to put somebody down because of their thought process mm-hmm. or to belittle or demean them is opposite the word gun shy, yeah. which means never to belittle or treat somebody, especially yourself. Yeah, you never do that. That's yeah. what gun shy means. And and the so. fact that we're human beings means that we need to treat people with dignity and respect right we do yeah when my daughter came home um people would she'd come home and she's of course she's asian and and so she has this beautiful black hair she would say people want to just touch my hair because they want to know why it's so different for me um the way we respond and the way we teach them how to respond is really key and how we respond to those who might be different than us is key as well and how we love how we serve how we care and again, like you said, not to be political about this at all. Um, where I'm, I'm not, uh, I, I just, I just think that there's a better way of 
how we show up and how we treat people, period. Yeah. yeah I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's not just that, but it's on, for, you know, I'm not just talking about the CNN or the Fox News or mm-hmm. whatever, but it's on America's Got Talent. It's on, you see where some, there's negative comments that have been said. Where, or you, you, you turn on the news and you can see where a, 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 a principal of a school in Oregon was fired yesterday because she lashed out of a student that had um, a different gender preference. Mm-hmm. And now that, that, that teacher has is, relinquished is her position. I mean, that's what our kids are reading. And if I can pull it up on my phone, and I, I have a hard time like you, I'm not tech savvy. These kids are reading that stuff. They're watching it. Mm-hmm. And that's where they're getting their ideas. Mm-hmm. Phones are changing everything because it gives people, again, not, not, not a bad thing, but you got to filter it. You got to, it's making these kids grow up real fast. They're it is. Grow up real fast. It is. Well, I want to be respectful of this. I think, you know, we could get into a bunch of different things. In fact, it makes me wonder, like, when we're going to get on another show, Chad, and we'll, 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 we should just do a whole series of things. <laughs> we could just, riff no, on sure. today's for events sure. over and over again you know um, oh i would love it and my, my my time's always good good with you buddy I, i'm grateful for all you've done for me in my life and grateful that we can contribute to today and and th- want to thank our listeners those yeah. people that that, that that follow what max does and what, what he does for the world and i'm just i'm just grateful for him and sally and their family they've been close to us for many many years and, and uh grateful that you find value in, in what he's offering the world and and hopefully you find value in the, in the different people he's going to interview and, and the, the, the diverse group of people that he has access to. You'll find a lot of value here. Well, likewise, my friend, and the feeling's mutual. If, if there was one thing you'd want to leave people with today, um, a piece of advice where they could just live their lives just a little bit better, what would you say? I would just say go find somebody else today in a very, very small way to to do something nice for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that sounds simple, but but uh, don't make it be expected. Just go find someone to do something unexpectedly nice for without being asked or without, um, you know, without, without it being a holiday or a birthday, something that's completely unexpected. That might be a simple text to one of your children that just lets them know how much value they have. Um, something as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And let them know, again, just, it might might blow them off their feet, but just it sounds something like this. Just say, this is Dad. Just want you to know that I am grateful for you, Caleb. I'm grateful for you coming and being a part of our family. You inspire me to be a better person, and I love your skin color. Don't you ever be ashamed of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably say something like that if Caleb had a cell phone. But because he doesn't, I'll probably <laughs> write him a little note. <laughs> and and, and you'll a, and, and you'll be there to give him a hug. Yeah, and I will, I will be there to give out today for sure. Well, so. you're you're a good man, Chad Hymas. I'm grateful for you and your family. I'm grateful you could be so vulnerable today on this show, and um, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for hosting me. Looking forward to the next time already. Okay, we'll do it again. Very well. Take care.